Battle of the Network stars won't be seen tonight, so we can bring you a very special episode of The Gen X Files. Welcome to The Gen X Files! I'm Jim. I'm Adam. And today's show is all about One Crazy Summer! Oh yeah! It's been a crazy summer. It has. It's been a crazy hot summer. Uh, a lot of crazy but not funny stuff has been happening. Yeah. <laughs> crazy not in a good way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but this is funny. We saved the best for last, in my yeah. opinion. This, yeah. Watching this again, this is definitely one of my all-time favorite comedies. Yeah. And I realized uh, it will 100% put me in a good mood. It is one of my <laughs> feel-good movies. Yeah. Like, there's... Yeah. It, there's just so much joy to this movie, so much fun. It's like a Mad Magazine come to life. It's it's one bit after another bit. All the bits pay off. It's yeah. stupid and silly and funny, and it works. Everything that Savage Steve Holland learned from making <laughs> uh, Better Off Dead, it, it just is amplified. It's better. Uh, I, I love that movie, but I just think that this is his opus, man. This is his. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. This is his uh, Citizen Kane, baby. He was definitely hitting his peak here. And it's really ironic that the movie puts you in such a good mood since not everybody on the movie was happy to be there. Well, most people were. <laughs> oh, no, most of them were. And they, they their collective joy outshone the negativity from a certain person. Sure, we'll go yeah. into that. But, yeah. but man, what a fun, fun movie. Oh, it's so good. I didn't realize how much I'd forgotten about this movie and how much I how much I just love this movie. Well, like you were saying, there's so many bits in this movie that you think they're from other movies. Yeah. Because it's yeah. like you can't fit that many bits into a single movie. But you can. But you and can. And it's one crazy summer. <laughs> one crazy summer. Although, yeah. ah, man, you know, this... It's been an earworm month for me. Oh, yeah. Uh, starting with Better Off Dead. Better Off Dead, yeah. Um, E.G. Daly. E.G. Yeah. Daly. As much as I love her, she... Better Off Dead. Oh, come on. I just got it out of my brain. <laughs> and then uh, and then there was something from... Oh, then there was the uh, Baby Doll from oh, Tapehead. Yeah. And then now it's the uh, Don't Look Back. Oh, God. Really? Don't Look Back, babe. <laughs> don't Look Back. Oh, and that, that got one in... stuck in your head. That, that one in the... Uh, uh, they take your body, they take your soul, and they don't even give you no rock and roll. I realized something. This is a little bit of a speed bump, and I know we're at the beginning of the show, but I want to get this out of the sure. way. I did in the movie Carbuncle. I got to right. write and record a uh, a song for my character. Uh, oh, I played oh. a guy, and in the 80s, he had this really bad band, so I got to write a really bad right. song with a really great musician, Corel Tunador, who I nice. think ended up touring with the Goo Goo Dolls and uh, oh, wow. some other people. Wow. Yeah, really talented guy. But I got to write this song called Deep in My Soul. Oh, Lord. And, oh, it was supposed to be bad. And quite <laughs> frankly, it was awful. Uh, but watching this movie again, I realized how much Demi Moore's uh, yeah. musical career impacted that song. Because my, yeah. <laughs> my yeah. the thing is, if you look deep down in my soul... All you see, baby, is rock and roll. Oh, God. Rock and roll! <laughs> brah, brah. All right. But, uh, <laughs> yes, check out Carbuncle, streaming uh, somewhere. It's on Amazon Prime. It might be. All right, well, take yourself back to 1986. Yeah. April 13th, the first child born to a non-related surrogate mother is born. And that child was Adam neither of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? That would be hilarious. Fantasyland's Mindbender derails and kills three people. 
Uh, Fantasyland is an indoor amusement park in Edmonton, Canada. It's the second in the second largest mall in North America. Got to get your deaths in there. Got to get your deaths. I, you know, you know how hard it is to find <laughs> news <laughs> from back in the day that's not about devastation. I'll give you this though. You did. You had life with surrogation. Yeah. And you had death with a horrible accident in in Canada. In Canada. Oh, that yeah. was bad, eh? Yeah. Oh boy, that was a bad one. <laughs> Uh, June 23rd, Eric Thomas de- develops Listserv, the first email list management software. Ugh. Yeah. For all you nerds out there. Yeah. All this you is email nerds. Essentially when, when email was really able to be accessed by everyone. Uh, August 6th, One Crazy Summer is released in theaters. Nice. During the summer. Well, yeah. at the very end of the summer. Yeah. Near the end of summer. So, One Crazy Summer is another Savage Steve Holland film. It's it's his second with John Cusack and Curtis Armstrong. There's a famous story about how Cusack saw screening of Better Off Dead and was horrified walking out 20 minutes into the screening. Yeah, we spoke about this a few times. Uh, Holland thought Cusack left to use the phone, but he never came back. The next day, Cusack approached Savage Steve Holland and told him that he didn't trust him as a director, and if he could, he would dump One Crazy Summer. But he signed contracts and had to do the film. It's the exact conversation you want to have with an actor right before you start production he literally told him point blank i have lost all faith in you as a director wow and it's so cruel and so mean because the movie better off did did really well yeah and he was really great in it and came yeah. across great but we're watching it with eyes of now yeah. which you know a soft sensitive young man is is, <laughs> is a it's a good yeah. thing yeah but back then you know a soft sensitive guy was a it was a p-word yeah, you know, and yeah, it was like, yeah. you know, everybody wanted to be tough. Everybody wanted to be Maverick from Top Gun, and everybody yeah. wanted to be, you yeah. know, shot shooting. Blah blah blah. Nobody wants to be a sad sack no, trying to kill no. himself. But it was uh, he did come around later, and he has yeah. he has since then. Yes, but it turns out that this whole story actually happened in Cape Cod at a theater in Hyannis right before the production of One Crazy Summer started. Oh, Man. Oh, man. Uh, they've gotten the bulk of the cast and crew out to prep, and the screening of Better Off Dead, which hadn't come out yet, was set up to bond the cast and crew together. Oh, man. Uh, which, what I get from all, everything I read and everything I saw, that it really worked for the majority of the cast. Of course it did. Everyone had a great time making it. You talked to Curtis Armstrong, you talked to Bobcat, you talked to Joel Murray. Like, they all had such a great time making this movie. Yeah, well, it looks like it. I mean, you can yeah. feel the fun. It, that's what makes this movie a joy. Yeah. Because you can tell there are certain movies where you can tell that the vibe is joy, and sometimes you can tell that the vibe is the opposite of joy. Oh, yes. And oh, yes. it comes through Yeah. because you can't hide... You can be neutral and hide that kind of stuff, but if you're having a really great time or a really bad time, <laughs> that's really hard to hide. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Savage Steve Holland spent his summers at Hyannisport every summer growing up. Uh, he'd only been in Nantucket once, and according to him... We got off the boat, walked a loop around the island, and got back on the boat. So he had spent maybe an hour on Nantucket before deciding to set the entire film there. It's a small little island. It is. Uh, Nantucket is very welcoming. It was very welcoming to the cast and crew. It's the smallest county in Massachusetts, and 85% of the county is water. It's, have you ever been? No. It's really cool. Yeah. Like, I've been off-season, which oh, yeah. is the way to Which go. is the best yeah. way, yeah. Because it's I mean, only— Nothing's open, but it's like— it's, No, but it's, still, there's 50,000 people yeah. running around. Normally, there's 14,000 people, but during the summer, there's upwards of sixty to 70,000 people on the island. And it's only 45 square miles, so yeah. it's like this, like, packing sardines in a can, man. Yeah, it's like going to the Hamptons. You know, yeah. everybody everybody in Mass— It's sweet. 
so hot in Boston <laughs> proper during the summer that you yeah. got to get near some water or you'll yeah. just burst into flame. <laughs> because of the success of Better Off Dead, which earned $10.3 million off of a $3.5 million budget, nice. the studio gave Savage Steve Hall a $9 million for one crazy summer. I do want to point out that I accidentally misspelled studio as stupid. <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, same thing, baby. It's the like stu- a, a you, synonym. I literally rereading I read out loud. Okay. I, I was going to let it slide. I, you know, you've got to be proud of me. I was going to let it slide. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, the... I heard some people think that because of Cusack's reaction that the executives didn't like Better Off Dead either. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if they were super happy with the cut of it, but they released it and it made like three times its budget. So and like they were happy. Whatever. Yeah. So they gave him nine million dollars and said, Make another movie. Yeah. They're they're all they're happy about is if it makes money. They don't of really course, care. of course. You know, they're all they're about the green, baby. And yeah. I'm not talking about eco. Yeah, and if you give you give someone that's successful more money, they should make more money. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he put that money to good use. <laughs> oh no, he did. He totally did. All that money's on the screen for sure. Yeah. Uh, they cast John, of course. John Cusack as Hoops McCann. Hoops, hoops. Hey, hoops. Hey, hoops. Hoops McCann is actually named after the protagonist in Steely Dan's song "Glamour Profession" from the Gaucho album. Who was introduced as a bax- basketball aficionado? His name was Hoops McCann. He was a I don't think I've ever heard the song. Okay, I know, I, <laughs> it's I, not the song. I don't think I've ever heard the song before. All Steely Dan songs pretty uh, much sound alike. I don't mind Steely Dan. Actually, a friend of ours, her dad was their studio engineer uh, for most of the studio, the Steely Dan albums. Steely Dan's uh, great, baby, but they're. You can tell when it's a Steely Dan oh, yeah. song. Oh, well, of course. They got that Steely sound. They got that distinct sound. That Steely Dan sound. But, yeah, they're great. Yeah. But, yeah. you know. Uh, Savage Steve Holland admits that he sucks at basketball, hence why Hoops McCann is awful at basketball during the whole movie. Which until is it, Until it until really it counts. counts. Yeah. And then it's <laughs> well, there's so many great cheesy payoffs that in any other movie yeah. would just not work. But yeah. he can make this Stuff work like nobody else, I think. He is, if you haven't watched some interviews with him now, like he is still such a positive, happy, joyous man. That's the thing. The earnestness that he brings to his films is contagious. And it's, like I said, stuff that you would think would be cheesy or way too goofy or way too dumb. He makes it work because it's just him, I think. I think he... He's, he's great, course. and he surrounds himself with with great people. Uh, there's a great uh, interview, a Zoom interview that uh, this guy on Nantucket did during the beginning of the pandemic, and it's Bobcat Goldthwait and uh, Curtis Armstrong and uh, Joel Murray and Savage Steve Holland, oh. and listening to the four of them talk, it was like the 35 years had never passed. Oh, I bet. Like, it was so much fun to hear them just riff on each other nice. and like just... It was so good. Where is that? It's on YouTube. Oh, okay. I got to watch that. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you a link. Uh, Cusack, to, just to show how much he was not happy with Savage Steve Holland, he did Hot Pursuit right after this film. Right after this film? Yes. Oh, okay. It was literally shot right after this. Uh, this was his response, apparently, was to go do Hot Pursuit. Well. <laughs> Reference our Hot Pursuit episode. Yeah. We, <laughs> have difference, we have my, a difference yeah. of opinion yeah. on Hot Pursuit. But I, look, I'm not going to... I will not p- put Hot Pursuit in the same category as the Savage Steve Holland film. No. Or even no. Tapeheads. It's, no. it's, it's, the, it's 
you know, it's it's dangling it's, near the bottom of the two set comedies, but I like fine. it because it has a place in my heart. To quote someone I know, it's fine. Yes, it's, it's fine. fine. <laughs> uh, so Cusack really broke out with Say Anything in 1989, his last teen romance comedy that he did, and then became everyone's heartthrob in Say Anything. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was huge. Uh, since doing Hot Tub Time Machine in 2010, he's been doing as much direct-to-VOD as he has theatrical releases. Yeah. You know... Uh, uh, I don't know if it's just the nature since 2000, because literally after Hot Tub Time Machine, he did a string of like four or five like direct to VOD, and it's like I don't know if it was just the nature of the business at the time, or if this is just what he was choosing to do. You know, just maybe needed some cash. Yeah, that's true. You know? I mean, I mean, look, if you could, uh, a lot of these straight to VOD things, you get paid a lot of money for a little bit of work. It's not going to be something that's going to you're probably going to put on your resume. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is definitely cash, and it and it, it, it happens, you know, and it's not – I haven't seen any of these movies, so, like, I can't say if he's good in them or not. I, you know, I mean, I would hope that he's good in whatever he does. Another reason why some of these bigger stars do these VODs is because it strengthens their international uh, – Yes, their, their – Q rating, their if you cachet. will. Yeah. yeah, I mean, look, it's the same reason why he did that international uh, – Oh, there was Chinese, that, that movie Chinese movie with yeah. Jackie Chan. It was, was only like released the, in China. It was not released in the States. Yeah, there's yeah. reason. I saw it, actually. I mean, <laughs> oh, it wasn't, re- it wasn't oh, released it was, theatrically, it was. but it was right, released right, right. On, uh, on, v- on video or, video on, or you know, VOD or whatever. whatever yeah. Streaming or something, because I did watch it. Yeah. Um, it's not horrible, but it's just, yeah. you know, there's a, those movies, these international movies, like the one that they did with uh, Matt Damon, you know, another. Oh, God. With yeah. The Great Wall, I think it was. Great Wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just tried to jam too many things in there. And a lot of the different, uh, you know, the, the American way of filmmaking or the Chinese way of filmmaking, yeah. they don't always jive together. Right. So you get kind of this weird amalgam of other things that just seems odd. Yeah, everything's off. But, yeah. but, but John Cusack's in it or Matt Damon's <laughs> in it, so you're That's even like, more a little bit disturbed. a little weird, yeah. Uh, he can currently be seen in Utopia, which I believe is getting a second season. I hope so. Uh, I haven't watched it yet. I need to watch it. I've heard uh, from Jim. It's very good. Oh, it's real good. It's got a great cast. It was a really cool performance by Cusack playing kind of this. Okay. You know, enigmatic yeah. software engineer kind of thing. You know, okay. kind of the bad guy, but... It was a it's it's a cool show. I yeah, I think Prime. Oh. I think it's on Prime. Yeah, it's on Prime. It is on Prime. Uh Demi Moore as Cassandra Eldridge. Uh in 1978 Moore signed with the Elite Modeling Agency, then enrolled in drama classes after being inspired by her next-door neighbor, 17-year-old German actress Natasha Kinski. Oh, people forget about Natasha Kinski. Yeah. She was the biggest thing for a while. Uh, it's weird to me because I wasn't really aware of her being the biggest thing. Yeah, people talk about him. It's like really? Oh yeah, cat she people was in and species, right? No, no that's Natasha Henstridge. Oh, I'm thinking Henstridge. Yeah, my bad. Yeah, Natasha. I don't. Okay, uh, but Kinski was really big. She did this movie. I think when she was like 17 or something. This German movie or okay, was she German? What is she? Yeah, she's yeah. German. I think it was a German movie. She did at 17, some sort of sexy thing, and that kind of brought yeah. her attention to her. And then she, you know, crossed over here and, and became a pretty big star for a while. Oh, she okay. was like super sexy. She was yeah, the really, yeah. you know, She's the hot, attractive young lady. Yes, <laughs> but she's a, a very good actor as well. Oh, okay, okay, good. In August 1979, at age 16, Demi Moore, uh, Demi, sorry, I always say that wrong. It's Demi. Mm-hmm. Demi Moore met musician Freddie Moore, who was married at the time and leader of the band Boy at the Troubadour. The Troub, baby? Yeah, the old Troub. I love that place. Yeah. My favorite music venue in L.A. Uh, they moved in together, lived in an apartment in West Hollywood. 
Demi co-wrote three songs with Freddie Moore and appeared in the music video for their selection, It's Not a Rumor, performed by his band, The New Cats. The New Cats. And you. And yeah, yeah. That's how new they are. It was <laughs> like the so new weird. shoes. Yeah. And oh, you. Yeah. S-H-O-O-Z, yeah. I think. New shoes. They had a great song. But, but I can't wait. Yeah, I don't know the new cats at all, so I have no idea. That's not new cats. That's new no. Shoes. I know. I realize, but I'm just saying as I'm trying to keep us on track. Yeah, uh, sorry. Uh, now they don't know. They were the married. Were they? Are. Were they married? They never got. Oh, they did get married. So uh, she took his name. Or she would, took his name. Yeah. So she's not Demi Moore. She's Demi something else. Yes, but she she's been Demi Moore since she married. Since she was like 16. She has a really long, screwed up history. Like her father uh, left before she was born, uh, has got gotten remarried, and then um, uh, has other kids that she does not like step siblings or oh. half siblings that she doesn't talk to. She doesn't talk to her father. She d- pretends he doesn't exist. Uh, her mother got married to a guy shortly after she was born. Uh, Demi found this out by looking at their marriage certificate. And realizing it was nine months after she was born. And oh. she goes, oh, so this isn't my dad. Oh, so they tried to pass him off as yes. a pop. Oof. Eventually, they got divorced and remarried and then divorced and remarried again. And and then I think they were in a separation. And then her stepdad killed himself. Oh, my God. When she was like 13. Yeah. Uh, it yeah, was no wonder she yeah. wanted to get out of there and yeah. get married. And she moved around a lot. Like, she couldn't. It was. It, she has a weird, strange history. And, oh. Yeah. Well, that's sad. Yeah. She's awesome. But she's, I mean, she's very great, and she's had a very good career. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, she had a, a rough childhood. Uh, yeah. Although she does continue to get royalty checks for all her songwriting work she did with Freddie Moore between 1980 and 1981. I'm uh, sure those bring back good memories. <laughs> 23 cents. <laughs> Yay. I remember uh, she made her film debut with a brief role in the 1981 teen drama Choices, directed by Silvio Narazano. I think I saw that. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I'd never heard of this. Uh, Narazano directed Georgie Girl in 1966 and Loot in 1970. Apparently they were very highly regarded. Uh, her second film feature was the 3D sci-fi horror film Parasite in 1982, for which director Charles Band had instructed casting director Johanna Ray to... Find me the next Karen Allen! Parasite is set in a dystopian post-apocalyptic future in which the United States has been taken over by a criminal organization which unwittingly creates an uncontrollable deadly parasite and sets it loose on the population. Uh, it is The movie is as bad as that sounds. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I probably saw it. I Probably. I, Charles Band would go on to direct Transfers in 1985. No, I saw that. And Evil Bong with Tommy Chong in 2006, along with a slew of other awful movies before and after. I tried to watch Evil Bong. Evil Bong. Yeah. I could not. Love Tommy Chong. I love Tommy not Chong, worth, too. Not worth, not worth watching that movie. Uh, Moore then joined the cast of the ABC soap opera General Hospital, playing the role of an investigative reporter until 1983. Her commercial breakthrough came in Joel Schumacher's yuppie drama, St. Elmo's Fire, in 1985, brought her a bunch of recognition. Because of her association with that film, Moore was often listed as part of the Brat Pack, a label she felt was demeaning. Moore progressed to be to more serious material with About Last Night in 1986, co-starring Rob Lowe, which marked a positive turning point in her career. As Moore has said that following its release, she began seeing better scripts. Uh, so About Last Night came out in July of 1986, just a month before One Crazy Summer. Demi Moore has gone on to have an outstanding career as an actor and a director now. Uh, she obviously had her big, big break was in Ghost. That's what really shot her up to to complete total stardom oh yeah and then she was the biggest thing forever for yeah for a while she yeah. but she's parlayed that into like directing and mm-hmm. and she's producing she's a, she, she produced has a the... great, yeah she's a production company like she has a great career curtis armstrong is ak ak raymond yeah he, one Good of my absolute ak-ak. favorite character actors ever oh curtis armstrong's so 
incredible. If you look at Better Off Dead or uh, Revenge of the Nerds or any of the yeah, other yeah, things that yeah. he's done, this performance is so... He's such a sweet, he's, innocent, layered... He's so meek and just but like... But not meek. But, yes, he's yes. He's sensitive. Sensitive, But yeah. he's still strong and he's still brave and he yeah. rescues that guy. He just doesn't want to hurt anybody he or anything. plays that part so well. So good. And, and it's such a great chemistry between him and Joe Flaherty as his dad. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, speaking of the him rescuing the guy, uh, Kirk Armstrong almost drowned oh during God. that scene. He apparently was wearing these big white socks. Oh, no. And he took his shoes off and he jumped in and the socks just choked up the water and they slid down his legs so they were the, like caught on his ankles and he couldn't like kick right because they were just flopping oh, through no. the water. Uh, he, he he was very much like, yeah, I, it was bad. Like I almost died. Well, that would have been the worst. That would have been a dark day in our history oh, if we would have lost would have Curtis Armstrong. Horrible, absolutely horrible. Uh, they also he had a cut subplot in uh, Better Off Dead. Uh, Akak becomes friends with a horseshoe crab <laughs> called Stymie <laughs> that he finds on the beach. It becomes his best friend. Oh, that's cute. Uh, the plastic horseshoe crab, he would walk along the beach, and the horseshoe crab would follow him. Aww. And the plastic horseshoe crab uh, that was walking along with him was created by his future wife's brother, which he didn't know at the time. His future he'd, brother-in-law. He'd met her, yeah, his future brother-in-law. Uh, he'd met her like 10 years later, but they were all raised in Cape Cod, and he that's worked crazy. on the movie. Yeah, That is one crazy <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can actually see Stymie, the horseshoe crab, dancing in the dewdrop in scene oh. when they're all dancing together. I'll have He's to check that out. Yeah. A little I, Easter egg. I've never noticed it, so right. definitely going to have to watch it again. Man, I just, Curtis Armstrong... To this day, is just still killing it. He, like we talked about before, he's Metatron on Oh yeah, Supernatural. Yeah. Oh, he's yeah, he's he has such a good career. His his cockroach on uh, Ezekiel the cockroach on Doom Patrol. Oh yeah, he's so fantastic. Well, he's also one of those guys that you know, guys our age just adore him. And now that yeah. they're making movies, they want to put him in. <laughs> yeah, it's nostalgia plus talent plus just being a lovable guy. I mean, yeah. I hope he works and keeps going until he's 110 years old. Uh, eventually, he's just going to be doing voiceover stuff, but he'll be able to do voiceover stuff for a long, long time. I hope so, Curtis uh, Armstrong. If you're listening, I love you, man. <laughs> when Cusack, Demi, Joel, Bobcat, Tom Villard, and Curtis would go out during off times, they would go out drinking and eating together. Curtis Armstrong was the one receiving the most attention for his part in Revenge of the Nerds. The locals would shout, Booga! Booga! <laughs> All the time at him. Uh, Bobcat Goldthwait as Egg Stork. Uh, Bobcat made his film debut in the 1984 film Massive Retaliation. Uh, as redneck Ernie Rust. Uh, the plot of Massive Retaliation. Have you seen this movie? I don't. I probably have, but it does not ring a bell. When word of nuclear war between the USA and Russia in the Middle East comes out, three families leave their homes in the city and head to a survivalist outpost and apparently meet Bobcat Goldthwait, who's a redneck there that is trying to kill them or something. Nice. Uh, if you want to see it, it's available on the Roku channel and Plex, but it looks real bad. Well, probably. Uh, yeah, he... Bobcat Goldthwait is another guy that's just magic. He started out... So differently than where he yeah. comes from. I mean, he was yeah. kind of pigeonholed by that character for a while. You yeah, know, the it was the character. Yeah, yeah. He would make good living, you know, ever since he did, like, Police Academy and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, of you course, know. of course. But he would, all, you know, he did Hot to Trot. Yeah. You know, that yeah. awful movie. <laughs> the movie was was he the, a horse? Somebody was, like, a talking he was mule the, or something? He was, a t yeah. He was the guy that was 
betting. I don't know. I don't, I don't remember. It, it doesn't even He's bear associated any sort with of hot like, to trot somehow. Yes. And it was not hot, nor did it trot. No. But uh, but I've always been a fan of his. I, I mentioned before that I've seen him in you know I've seen yeah, stand up yeah. a few times, and his stand up is brilliant, and he is a absolute brilliant filmmaker. Yeah. He broke out in Police Academy 2, the first assignment in 1985. He wasn't in the first one. I forgot that he was not in the first movie. No. Uh, he was also in Police Academy 3, Back in Training, which was released earlier in 1986, before One Crazy Summer. The first Police Academy movie is great. It's yeah. really funny. Yeah. And it goes super downhill, oh, super yeah. fast. Very bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Savage Steve Holland let the cast improvise a lot, making it much more collaborative. Uh, this impressed Bobcat, and he came up with a lot of jokes for the film. Yeah. Uh, he improvised the whole little fat boy story. <laughs> I didn't tell you, but it's the little fat boy, and everybody made fun of him. Is the little fat boy you, Egg? Ah, I just beat him in pussy. Why are you so fat? <laughs> he apparently came up with this. They told it to Savage Steve Holland. He ran it by uh, Curtis Armstrong. And Savage Steve Holland loved it. So they literally just went and set up cameras and shot it. Great. That is yeah. what great. This is the kind of movie making that is so much fun. Yeah. Because you have so many ideas and you have the freedom of a good budget. It's probably yeah. the biggest budget Savage oh, yeah. Steve has ever worked with. Probably. You have the freedom to do this kind of stuff. And if you have such great comedic actors, such as Bobcat, yeah. and Curtis, and uh, Joel Murray. Joel Murray. Cusack, probably. C- Cusack's great, too, yeah. Um, but they come, you know, and you give them a safe space to have fun, and everybody's yeah. having fun. It's like Judd Apatow. You know, I think he yeah. creates that kind of environment right. where you can just be safe and have fun. And imp- yeah. probably... I, I bet you $100,000 that Apatow is a huge fan of Sam oh, Steve Holland. guarantee it. I guarantee it. Uh, Bobcat calls the, the that voice in the movie his Grover voice. Yeah, Grover! <laughs> he's, he's not always uh, understandable, but it's very funny. Uh, the two movies playing at the drive-in, Hemorrhoids from Hell and Date Night Massacre, were both shot by Bobcat Goldthwait. <laughs> it is so apparent. <laughs> Looking at his stuff now, it is yeah. so apparent. Especially that guy's like, oh, I want to go get you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that grosso uh, killer guy on the... Yeah, yeah. Uh, the date, oh, date night mm, massacre, nah. yeah. It was... It, the thing is, is apparently, Savage Steve Holland was just like, hey, we need... We don't have any rights to any movies. We need to shoot something. So he just gave him a camera and said, go shoot something. And... Again. And Savage Steve Holland was super impressed because he used all this smoke and yeah. like, all this stuff that he was like, I never even thought of any of this. Yeah, no, Bobcat Goldthwait is an incredibly talented guy. And yeah. and it's actually pretty smart that he kind of introduced himself as this moronic Grover character because everybody underestimated yeah. him. And then when he came out of the gate as the genius that he is, everybody's like, whoa, whoa huh? Bobcat Goldthwait? What? <laughs> it's, now it's Bobcat. <laughs> Bob Goldthwait. Yeah, uh, Bobcat would go on to write and direct his first feature in 1991, Shakes the Clown, in which he would play the lead as well. I thought that was later. I didn't think it was 91. 91. And... Uh, if it wasn't for Savage Steve Holland, I don't think he would have gone into the. I don't. I, I mean, I think eventually, probably, but I think he got because Savage Steve Holland was like, "Hey, go do this thing." He enjoyed it, and he said, "All right, I, I have ideas. I'm going to do this." And Shakes the Clown is amazing. Nobody does dark, dark, dark comedy like Bobcat Goldthwait. He has only written and directed four features. Uh, he has directed a bunch of documentaries, which I was surprised by. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, mostly about comedians. Uh, oh, good. Yeah. Um, but he did, in 2006, he did Sleeping Dogs Lie. Uh, do you remember Sleeping Dogs Lie? 
Yeah, wasn't that the one about yeah, like a somebody having a relationship with a German <laughs> she, Shepherd? She and... reveals to her husband or fiance that in college she had sex with a dog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the fallout of that—that's well, all of his movies. Yeah. If you describe them, they sound horrific. Yeah. But if you watch them, nobody can make that stuff work. But right. him, and right. it, that is the genius of Goldthwait. Yeah, he's that he could so take blessed. the most disturbing, world's greatest dad. Is my favorite Robin Williams movie. Yeah, yeah. And my favorite Robin Williams performance. Yeah. And it is so effed up. It is very, very messed up. That came out in 2009. Uh, Robin Williams and Bobcat Goldthwait were very close. Oh, yeah. They, they toured a lot together and, and were on the stand-up circuit. And well, they started out together. Yeah, yeah. They, you know, they were they friends were from yeah. the beginning when yeah. they were both yeah. struggling young commies. Right. Comics. Right. Comics, not comics. Comic comics. Well, I mean, you know. Uh, he did God Bless America in 2011, starring uh, Joel Murray. I kind of remember that one. He has Joel Murray is terminal, a terminal illness, and uh, him and this girl both realize they hate the world, so they just go on a big murder spree. I did not see that. I, uh, I should. Uh, it is available. These are all available on various streaming services. So if you do want to see them, uh, I think God Bless America is on Canopy, which is the if you have a library card, you can nice. watch for free. Uh, but definitely check all these out because I those four features I'm going to rewatch these now oh, yeah. because they're so brilliant and so good. Just know that they're super super dark. If that's not yeah. your gig, God bless you. That's fine. If someone's sleeping with a dog makes your stomach turn, don't well, watch Bobcat Goldthwaite movies. If you're watching somebody use their child's memory <laughs> in a very inappropriate <laughs> way, look. Yeah. Like I said. Describing it makes it sound horrific, but watching was great. It's but again, so if good. you're not into that really, really dark, dark humor, yeah. you may want to stay yeah. away. But if you're into that stuff and you haven't seen it, you're in for a huge treat. Uh, George, uh, sorry, Joel Murray was cast as George Calamari. Yeah, Joel Murray. He's uh, in the Murray he brothers. He is the youngest Murray brother uh, after uh, Billy, Billy as he calls him. Billy. <laughs> Billy and... Uh, uh, Brian? Brian Doyle Murray. Brian Doyle Murray. And then they have another brother. There's another one, but I don't think he's an... I don't, uh, if he's an actor, he hasn't done he, a lot. He is. He was yeah. in Scrooge. He played... Oh, that's his, right. Yeah, he's the right. dark yes. He played yeah. his brother in Scrooge. He's been in a few... He was in... Uh, that's right. Yes. He was yes, in this yes, movie... Yes. Uh, not Men at Work, but it was like... It was... Uh, moving Violations, I think. Moving Violations. It's okay. a very obscure comedy about yeah, going yeah. to a... A, a a traffic school, and he was in that. They were, it was back when, like, the Murrays, they would just grab any Murray they could. Yeah, yeah. And it, let's get a Murray. Hey, and we'll make a comedy with a Murray. And uh, not to besmirch any of their talents, but... No, they're all funny. Yeah. I mean, they're all funny. But Brian Doyle and Bill are, are the best known. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, Joel, One Crazy Summer was the first thing that he ever auditioned for. He oh, wow. literally showed up with an overnight bag expecting to do the audition in Cape Cod and then go back home to New York. And they cast him and he literally stayed for six weeks. <laughs> uh, he literally was like, I stole clothes from, from the wardrobe because I didn't have any clothes. Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, Jeremy Piven was actually up for the part of George Calamari. Uh, and Joel thought he would get it because he was friends and former roommates with John Cusack. Jeremy Piven? Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, yeah, they've been in a lot of movies together, he and Cusack. Oh, yeah. He was oh, yeah. in uh, Gross Point Blank. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we'll get to Piven. Yeah, we'll get to Piven. Uh, Savage Steve Holland really loved Joel's charm in his audition, so he gave him the part instead and then cast Piven as Ty, which we'll talk about later. The thing about Joel is he's got that Murray thing, but he's the most kind of likable charming he yeah. just doesn't have that kind of bite that the uh, that, that no, bill no like 
Bill is charming and great and amazing, but he's got that little air condescension in oh, a lot yeah. of his things. Oh, that, yeah. that is brilliant. But Joel has that aura, but without the ego, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. I mean, he's he's, he's just the most likable. He's very likable. Yeah. Like he doesn't you would want to sit down and hang out with him because he seems, you know, he's like, ah, oh, he seems like yeah. a fun guy. Like, he's just cool. He'd definitely give you a ride to the airport. Yeah, exactly. Where, where Bill would. Bill would probably say he would, and then he just wouldn't show up. Yeah, you, he wouldn't return your calls. <laughs> yeah, that would be it. Oh, you needed oh, need a ride to the airport? Oh, 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 oh I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. How was your trip? Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was a cut scene, uh, which I have to talk about, when Teddy tells George that he's going to shove that moped up his butt. They actually created a moped that was coming out of George's butt and shot a scene with him going to his grandma's house with a moped coming out of his butt. Good lord. Uh, a WB executive said, That's the most vile thing I've ever seen in filmmaking. Yeah, they they literally made him cut it out. <laughs> it was Bob. Bob the... Uh... It was Bob. Bob was, Bob was <laughs> very... Executive. Uh, yeah. I was extremely um, taken aback by that. <laughs> Mopeds do not belong in somebody's bottom. They belong on the road. <laughs> At the end of the movie, everyone's storylines had been tied up except for George's, so Joel suggested his final lines to Savage Steve Holland and Kim Foster thought it was great. Uh, do you remember? I don't remember exactly the, the lines. But oh, it was, it was great. Yeah, he's like, yeah, he's, yeah. He's like come on. When are we going to stop fooling around? Yeah, yeah. When are we going to stop fooling around? <laughs> it, it was just something like... He was like, yeah, hey, hey, when are we going to put all this tension behind us? Stop playing these games. Stop playing these games. Whatever it yeah. was, it was just, it, it was so out of nowhere, but it worked so perfectly. It, it tied up his story really well and Kim Foster's, and she thought it was fantastic. Oh, yeah. So she gave him... The most incredible kiss. Uh, yeah, he was still talking about it 35 years later, so... Well, she's a beautiful, beautiful, she is. beautiful woman. She is. Uh, he would go on to have a long acting career, appearing in Shakes the Clown and God Bless America for Bobcat Goldthwait. Nice. Uh, he can currently be seen in the Stars TV show Heels about professional wrestling. Really? Which just got picked up for a second season. Oh, very cool. Yeah. I've never seen it. Neither I'll have I. have to watch it now. Neither have I. Uh, they cast William Hickey as Old Man Beckerstead. William Hickey. Hi. I'm William Hickey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the so, greatest voice of anybody ever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's always amazing how they, they just say their name over and over again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the only way I get people to recognize. Uh, he actually began his career as a child actor on the variety stage and made his Broadway debut as a walk-on in the 1951 production of George Bernard Shaw's St. Joan starring Uta Hagen. You know what's weird about him is he looks like a child who's an old man. If you really he look does. at him. He's kind of Benjamin buttoning it a little kind bit. Kind of, because he just looks like a little boy he's, he's just who's old. He's just odd look to him. Yeah, but just such an amazing actor. Oh, so incredible. Funny, and yet so scary, and yet, I mean, the guy can play anything. Uh, he taught acting and appeared in hundreds of productions, mostly as a bunch of offbeat characters due to his voice and his look. Uh, he was actually coming off an Oscar nomination for Pritzi's Honor. Yeah, that's crazy. Which uh, Bobcat Goldthwait thought it was hysterical that an Oscar-nominated Oscar was asked to throw a lit cigar into the mouth of a Godzilla costume. Uh, speaking of, Savage Steve Holland actually kept the Godzilla suit, put it in his attic, and it has since melted. Oh, yeah. Yeah, William Hickey was great. He plays... A, it's so funny, too... Uh, when he's in his little wheelchair and he's going by, and the and the father and the son are like oh, doing oh. their project. Oh, hello, hey, Daddy. Hey, Daddy. Hello, Daddy. How are you, Daddy? Hello, Granddaddy. Hello. hello. Doing well, Daddy. <laughs> it's so funny because they make him seem so 
decrepit and bad. And then at the end, he just stands up and he's like, yeah, whatever. Well, I'm he stands over. up and like stops him from yeah. doing the thing. He's like, eh, friendship is bad. Yeah. I mean, but it's it's just, it was such a great reveal. It's such, it's such a good movie. Well, uh, he is also such a great actor. Yeah, he's fantastic. Or was. Was, yes. Uh, Joe Flaherty is General Raymond Ack-Ack's dad. Uh, I love him. Oh, okay. He is best known for his work on the Canadian sketch comedy SCTV from 1976 to 1984, writing and acting. Oh, God, I love that show so much. I love that show so much. It was so... I dug Saturday Night Live, but I think I truly loved SCTV more, and I'll tell yeah. you why. Because... It was its own. It was one. Did you watch SCTV? No. Okay. It wasn't a Saturday Night Live ripoff. No. It came before. Well, no. I guess it was right about the same time. What it was was it it was its own self-contained network. So they had like a network executive character. Like it was all making a show. So all the sketches were like shows made of this. So there's a whole behind the scenes thing. Okay. In front of this, they were able to do a lot of like Saturday Night Live sketches with characters and stuff. Right. They had this whole other element to it that I. There's nothing I love more than like a universe, you know, like a, a, yeah, a, a yeah. filmmaker, like uh, uh, like Kevin Smith. You know, yeah. all of his movies have some sort of connection with each other. Yeah. The, the the small universe, I don't right, know what, it, right. what it's actually called, or Stephen King. You know, all of his yeah. stuff in the universe. They or like Tarantino. Like yeah, he, anybody he that references cre- his own mm-hmm, work. They yeah. have their their films take place in this alternate world. Right, and I love that. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I'll have to I, I'll have to see if I can find SCTV somewhere because that sounds fascinating. I had no idea that was. Oh, yeah. I just thought it was a sketch comedy show. And you know, you got Martin Short, you have Andrea Martin, you have uh, John Candy, you have Joe Flaherty, you mm-hmm. have Eugene Levy. Wasn't he on Eugene? SCTV? Yeah, yeah, Eugene Levy. You have uh, Rick Moranis. Yeah. you have Dave yeah. Thomas. That's where uh, Bob and Doug McKenzie the came founder from. Founder of Wendy's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was hilarious. And then he was like, I gotta make some burgers. Um but they're gonna be square because I'm a funny guy. Oh, he's from Canada. Oh yeah, gonna make yeah. square burgers, eh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean some of the greatest talent ever oh, yeah. you know yeah. came from that show. Uh Curtis Bobcat and Joel, much like Jim, were huge fanboys of SCTV. <laughs> uh which I mean they every time that that Joel, Joe was performing they had to do takes over again because they would just crack up laughing. Well, because he's so serious. He's so yeah. good at doing that serious comedy where he's, you know, he used to play Dracula a lot on the, on the show. I <laughs> oh, think yeah. he even played Dracula. Floyd, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. He would do voices on the Ed Grimley show, mm-hmm. you know, the cartoon that they mm-hmm. had with uh, Martin Short. The guy is magic, and the fact that he's not working anymore it just breaks my heart. Yeah. He made his feature film debut in 1979 with the Spielberg movie 1941. Super underrated. Yeah. He appeared in the 1980 movie Used Cars, written and directed by Robert Zemeckis. Cult classic. Yeah. You got, uh, you got uh, Kurt Russell selling yeah. used cars. Yeah. It's a great movie. Uh, he made an appearance in Stripes and did VO for Heavy Metal in 1981. He also starred in Going Berserk in 1983 with John Candy and Eugene Levy, both SCTV alums. Yeah. In 2004, he joined the faculty of Humber College in Toronto teaching a comedy writing course and hasn't appeared in any work since then. Yeah, he did his duty. If he doesn't want to work, he doesn't want to work. It's a shame for us because we're missing out on He's an amazing yeah. comedic actor. But, yeah. God, man, I want to go to that college now. I'm going to go to Toronto, I don't, eh? I don't know if he's still teaching there or not. Um, I couldn't find any information if he was still teaching, but I would assume. 70s. I think he's 81. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, 
I mean, he's up there. So I, it's possible he just was like, hey, you know what? I'm retired. Whatever. Good but, for him. I mean, yeah. he did his duty. He gave us a lot of yeah. incredible work, and uh, it'll last forever. Exactly. Mark Metcalf as Aguila, Aguila Beckerstead, the son. Uh, he's best known for his role as sadistic ROTC officer Douglas, Douglas C. Niedermeyer in the 1978 movie Animal House. One of the most hateable people ever. <laughs> Niedermeyer is one of the most brilliantly written uh, yeah. nemeses so good. Ever. Uh, he later emulated uh, that character in the 1984 music videos for the songs We're Not Gonna Take It and I Wanna Rock by the heavy metal band Twisted Sister. Oh, man. Those videos... Had ten minute shorts in front of them. Oh, they're so great! What are you listening to that music? And they shot it in a fisheye lens, so his nose was really prominent, and everybody looked weird. And then uh, he would do his little bit, and then Twisted Sister would humiliate him for three minutes during the music part of the music (laughs) video. Uh, Bobcat Goldthwait actually also appeared in Twisted Sister music videos, Leader of the Pack, and Be Cruel to Your School. Be Cruel to Your School! Which, I just want to point out, cruel is spelled C-H-R-O-O-L, and school is spelled S-C-U-E-L, because they had to be different. Hey, (laughs) I think the school part is in reference to uh, Brady Bunch, where... Yeah, yeah. not Jan. Well, who's the older one? Marsha. 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 Or Marsha would go. It's time to go to school. Oh, she ugh. would. They'd say school Barf. really funny. Yeah. But they made fun of that too in the in uh, the really underrated and very very funny Brady Bunch movie. Oh yes, yes. Uh, but definitely props to Dee Snyder and Twisted Sister. I've always been a fan. Of Me his. too. Yeah. I loved him as a kid. That yeah. was like that was a good Twisted Sister was the perfect. Intro to metal. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because it, it it was it wasn't super hard. You know, it's like it, I think my metal uh, progression was Twisted Sister, Def Leppard, and then you know getting into like uh, your your like Iron Maiden. Yeah, getting Iron Maiden really heavy stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, Kiss was my first, but I Kiss, don't count yeah. Kiss necessarily as heavy yeah. metal. Yeah. Metal pop rock, I guess. Kiss is really just a metal boy band, but. That's yeah, for another day. But, but back in the day, man, oh, Kiss no, was no. like totally, totally. Uh, parents' nightmare. They oh, thought it yeah, was yeah. kings and Satan's knights and Satan's service. Knights, knights and Satan's and, service. Yeah. You know all this, all these crazy rumors. It was like, <laughs> if you it, Halloween's coming up, I'm going to give you a quick tip right. on YouTube. Watch the Paul Lind Halloween special. It will change your life. It is the weirdest, craziest, most amazing special you'll ever see. It was the first time Kiss ever appeared on television. Yeah, see, it was like 74, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to see Paul Lind and Kiss doing bits. <laughs> so you like the makeup, huh? <laughs> we don't wear makeup. Oh, you're kind of scary. But, yeah. uh, they, oh, my God. They were a very, Kiss is a very, very cultivated brand. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, yeah. the greatest thing is the joke that went on forever with Gene Simmons. It's like, yeah, we've got a Kiss conference coming out and. <laughs> and, you know, you bury yourself in style with the Kiss Coffins. We have Kiss condoms, you know. You put them on and uh, you get to feel like you're in Kiss. And always uh, get yourself some Kiss beverages to drink. Uh, they're sugar-free and they're filled with... It's just everything Kiss, yeah. Kiss, 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 Kiss. Of course, of course. So Mark Metcalf also appeared in two episodes of Seinfeld as the maestro, if you remember that. <laughs> yeah, uh, he was fantastic in those those episodes. Uh, he's appeared in dozens of TV shows and movies and can most recently be seen in a stupid and futile gesture about the rise and fall of the magazine National Lampoon. Great. It was really fun. It came movie. out in 2018. Yeah, it was I, – I don't – I still haven't seen it yet, but I need to. I love Bill Hader, so I, I need to see it. Yeah, and they, they 
they make fun of the fact that uh, they're all way too old to be playing those parts and stuff. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they national yeah. lampoon the National Lampoon well, movie, which good. is great. Awesome. Yeah, one of the best bad guys ever. Yeah, he's uh, probably a lovely, lovely human being. Most sure of these guys is. that are play jerks are the sweetest. <laughs> and I'd love to meet him because I just I'm always fascinated by people that play hateable people throughout their entire career yeah. like so yeah. hateable that people literally were like i hate you man especially kids you know watching those twisted sister videos oh, come yeah. up to them and be like yeah. you're not cool dude you yeah. know it's just like hey i'm playing a part moron but uh <laughs> but yeah i'm always fascinated like what is it like to just be so hated uh, yeah yeah for what you know but you know for, for you get that so money good at what you <laughs> do yeah yeah he's great he's great yeah he got eaten by the <laughs> rabbit dolphin <laughs> the rabbit dolphin which didn't you do the research to I see if there would be do the research we'll talk about it a little bit we'll get to All it right, um, i don't want to jump the gun yeah john matusak is stained yeah uh, which i was I, I really honestly again this is one of those things i don't remember the movie i thought he was in the movie more but no. he's only in that one scene and that was yeah. it uh john was the first draft pick of the 1973 nfl draft he won two Super Bowls. He played a defensive end. His first major role... The guy was like 6'8". He was huge. Oh, yeah. Uh, his first major role was in the 1979 movie North Dallas 40 as a football player. He appeared in the movie's Caveman, the Ice Pirates' one-man force, as well as One Crazy Summer, but is frequently remembered as deformed captive sloth in the Goonies doing makeup, which took five hours to apply. Matuzak was, was great. He was one of those football players that always showed up on everything. Yeah. Um, he... <laughs> have you ever seen the movie Caveman? No, I don't think I have. I this is another one that we will do because yeah. it's very obscure. <laughs> uh, it's Ringo Starr. Oh God, starring with his wife Barbara Bachman. I don't know. I think oh. this might have been when they met. Okay, but he plays a hapless caveman, Ringo Starr, who this sounds more familiar. Basically, now. like figures out fire and stuff, and and Matuzak and the other guys are like the big, yeah, you know, you know, burly caveman, and there's all these clay dinosaurs and, <laughs> and there's a lot of stuff jokes with dinosaur poop a lot of poop a lot of poop uh it's a st- really stupid movie but i loved it as a kid because yes. i love dinosaurs and stop motion yeah and stuff yeah, yeah and yeah. poop jokes but we'll definitely okay. have to yeah, do it yeah, because yeah. it's just another one of those it sounds awful and amazing what? how did that get yeah. made? <laughs> ringo star in a caveman movie with john matusak uh, Sloth would wear an Oakland Raiders shirt in some scenes during the Goonies. Uh, Matuzak played most of his pro football career with the Raiders, bouncing between Oakland and Los Angeles. Uh, he had numerous guest appearances in TV shows, such as Perfect Strangers, MASH, The Dukes of Hazard, Hunter, Silver Spoons, The A-Team, First and Ten, and Miami Vice. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, he was a heavy drug and alcohol user, which led to his death in 1989 at the age of 38 from acute Propoxyphene intoxication, an accidental overdose of the prescription jug, jug, sorry, prescription drug, Darvaset. Kimberly Foster as Cookie Campbell. This was Kim's feature film debut. Hey, Cookie. <laughs> she later appeared in Dragnet in 1987 with Tom Hanks and Dan Aykroyd. Uh, you Can't Hurry Love in 1988 with Bridget Fonda. Love Bites in 1993, starring Adam Ant, <laughs> which I, I've never seen this. I thought Love Bites was something else, then I saw it was Adam Ant, and well, I was like, there is something. what I There is another Love Bites, yeah. Uh, her last credit is on All My Children, the soap opera in 1995, and I do not know what she's doing now. Yeah, well, hopefully she's living a very happy and healthy yeah. and wonderful life. It's very possible, you know, she got married, had kids. I mean, a lot of, a lot she, of actors do that. She's so great. In this movie, because it's a very weird part, you know, <laughs> it's a, it's she's kind of a femme fatale. Yeah. 
Yeah. She's with this guy, and you know she's with him just because he's rich. But, yeah. like, the funniest scene, the weirdest scene is when he's about to do his laps. I'm going to do my laps, Dad! <laughs> and she's uh, she's standing there, and she's got her little leg kicked out and her head down like a little child. <laughs> and he's like a little child, and he's like, come here, come here. And then comes over, and, like, he gives her a kiss, and then boops her nose. And it's just, he's so childish. But she plays it so well. She's yeah. so good. And the reaction... Another one of my favorite parts is uh, she convinces Hoops, Hoops, Hoops to go on a date with her to the drive-in. Yeah. And they have to get out of there. And there's a whole running gag with Akak's dad running the scout troop, teaching him how oh, to yeah. do uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. first aid. And uh, they're running around. And he's like, okay, kids, here's the thing. There's a plane crash. And all these people, uh, their guts and everything is coming out of them. It's disgusting. And they're going to fight you, and they're not going to want to have help. So you're going to have to help them, and you're going to have to do it. And so the kids are running around down Tucket with their little first aid outfits, and they come across John Cusick, and they're like, help him! (laughs) And then they they, you know, run over and basically turn him into a mummy. And then she comes out... (laughs) Bushes and this, they like turn to her and like help her, <laughs> and it's just the funny. And her reaction to that is absolute gold. Uh, my my favorite scene or my favorite bit with hers was when he finally comes back at the drive-in with popcorn, <laughs> and it's this giant like forty-gallon bag, and he hands it to her, and within like ten seconds he turns and it's empty, and she's just like, "You must have been hungry." She's like, "Yep." She's just eating the, She's last, just piece, eating the yeah. last piece and crumbles it up. It's so oh, it was just man. so ridiculous. It was a garbage bag of popcorn. It was, it was so gigantic. ridiculous. Matt Mulhern as Teddy Beckerstead. Uh, we just talked about Matt and Teddy. Teddy. Uh, this was also his feature film debut. Uh, he was actually a Broadway actor appearing in Biloxi Blues, later reprising the part in the movie in 1988. Nice. Uh, Biloxi Blues. <laughs> he appeared in 96 episodes of the TV show Major Dad with Gerald McRaney. Nice. Uh, he wrote... Simon and Simon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Major Dad was actually a pretty funny show. Really? Uh, I never watched Major Dad. I, maybe. I always liked Gerald It was from McRaney. 88 to 92. It was, it was in a weird time, but, like, it was, it was funny. It yeah. was funny. It was about the Army. He was, a, he was like, his, like, second-in-command. Gerald um, McRaney is so great. He was so great on Deadwood. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. man, I oh, love him. Uh, Matt Mulhern actually wrote and directed the 2000 film Dwayne Hopwood, starring David Schwimmer. Oh, really? Which I, exactly, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, he, Savage Steve Holland is so great at finding douchey dudes. Oh, God, yes. He, yes. this guy, and the, <laughs> from, uh, <laughs> both from, of them, yeah. yeah. But what's beautiful about this is they're both complete a-holes, but different a-holes. Yeah, yeah. The, the overconfident, hey, Blaine. You know, that guy yeah, is just yeah. your typical high school popular yeah. D-bag, you know, rich, gross guy. This is the rich, gross, never had to grow up, yeah, eternally yeah. child, childish, you know, little boy. And this kid plays it so well. My favorite is he's like sitting there. He's like, I don't know. She's got those some. Um, I don't know. What do you call them? Cornrows? And he's like yeah. got a piece of broccoli, <laughs> like a little fake tree yeah, from yeah. the thing. And his uh, and the way I, he, his dad treats him. I think I think this is a perfect example of how Savage Steve Holland grew as an artist yeah. between Better Off Dead yeah. and, and One Crazy Summer. Because in Better Off Dead, the 
the bully is much more one-dimensional. Sure. And and in One Crazy Summer, Teddy, you get to see those moments where, like, his dad's mad at him and he just wants to, to make him happy and, like, all this stuff that he gives him so much more depth and, and it works so well. You never see the motivation behind Blaine. Yeah. Blaine yeah. is just there to right. be an antagonist and to be a burr yeah. in the yeah. saddle of yeah. Cusack. But you're right. Uh, Teddy is we get to see so much of Teddy's motivation and why Teddy's Teddy. Right. And it's, again, this is why this movie works so well because it's got so much depth in a, in a, in a goofy little comedy. I mean, everybody's got kind of a deep story to them. Yeah. Whether it's to me more in her, in the, you know, her uncle dying or, or yeah, her, uh, it was, I think it was an uncle. I think it was her yeah. uncle and trying to save the people, yeah. you know, or Akak not wanting to go into the army and his dad disowning him or yeah. the Stork brothers and what they're going through. You know, everybody's yeah. got yeah. something that makes them more than just a caricature or a joke. Like even the yeah. uncle who's waiting, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Years to win this million dollars from this yeah. radio show. <laughs> yeah. There's so much going on yeah. with him. It's, it's. You're you're right. That's it, one of my absolute favorite parts of One Crazy Summer is when uh, Tom Villard, the clay, uh, comes back and he had just helped Teddy and he's got a bloody nose, and Bobcat Goldthwait looks at him. And he's like, "Did Teddy hit you?" Yeah. Like it was it was the most like direct line, and it was just you could see how much his brother meant to him. Well, and also it was so brilliant the performance. The what's the kid's name that plays his brother? Tom Villard. Tom, Tom Villard's performance. Yeah. He's so sweet and he's so likable. And then it's a heartbreaking moment. Like the way yeah. he plays that, getting bullied, yeah. is so real. It yeah. is so real. And then and I think that just fueled Bobcat's rage, which is funny, but it's also so sweet. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, these brothers it's love so each good. other. Yeah, yeah. There's there's so much love in this movie mixed with cynicism and the grand yeah. I mean, we'll get to the grandmother and stuff, but it's just it is a perfect balance. A yeah. perfect balance. Uh, Matt Mulhern continues to make appearances in TV and movies. He's still working today. Uh, Tom Villard, as we said, plays Clay Stark. He is known for his leading role in the 1980s series We Got It Made, about two bachelors that hire a maid. Oh, yeah. That, that was really popular. I remember We Got It Made. It was made. super weird. It, it ran for like two seasons and mm-hmm. then went away. And yeah. then like five years later, they brought it back in syndication. Yeah. It was super weird. Yeah. I, it was popular. He was, yeah. he was a very popular guy. Yeah. He made appearances in feature films Grease 2, Heartbreak Ridge, directed by Clint Eastwood. He was great in that. Yeah. My Girl with uh, uh, Dan Aykroyd and Jamie Lee Curtis. And Popcorn, the slasher movie, which I have never seen. I remember Popcorn. Oh, yeah. And don't forget Macaulay Culkin was in Yeah, My Girl. Sure. Uh, watch out for the bees. <laughs> ah, man, I remember when they were like, oh, we have to put a warning because of all these, you know, everybody, all these kids that love, yeah. oh, love bees. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because Macaulay, spoiler I mean, alert, I, I, yes. Macaulay Culkin gets beed to death. Yeah, they beat he's him. allergic to bees. Yeah, they beat I mean, him to it's death. Not, it's sad. It's a sad part of the yeah, movie. It's all part of life. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> all right. You wonder why I didn't mention Macaulay Culkin. Uh, Villard became one of the few actors in Hollywood in the early 1990s who chose to be open about his homosexuality and the challenge of living with HIV and AIDS. Yeah, it was the bravery that it took for him to do that. So that guy, you know, he had cojones of steel. Yeah. I mean, the guts that this guy had to do this. In February 1994, Villard made an unprecedented appearance on Entertainment Tonight, acknowledging to... More than 13 million viewers that he was gay, that he had AIDS, and that he needed some help. 
Villard said, An awful lot of people suddenly wouldn't let me in the door for auditions. I started speaking a, a couple of months ago about living with AIDS and having hope. It feels a little more useful than things I've done in the past. He also said that since his appearance on Entertainment Tonight, a whole other group of people had come forward to welcome him. Bill Melamed, Villard's manager, added, I'm particularly proud of him. The reality is, acting is a lousy business. He made a decision that was courageous in any walk of life. But it doesn't surprise me, he has one of the most open spirits. Yeah, you can just see, like, what a sweetie he is. And yeah. nobody ever said anything bad about him. No. no. Uh, it, it just, he's one of the guys that just breaks my heart. He's one of the stories yeah. of Hollywood that just makes me sad because he was so talented and very, so sweet. Very, very, yeah. And had such a promising career ahead of him and yeah. and the courage to do what he did, to put everything on the line yeah. for yeah. what you believe yeah. and what you are. That is something that is extremely rare in this business. That is true. Uh, on November 14th, 1994, five days shy of his 41st birthday, Villard died of AIDS-related pneumonia. Yeah, I remember when that happened. I mean, that was, it broke my heart. Yeah. I was a big fan of his. He yeah. was one of those guys. Like, like I told you, like, as soon as you see him, you like him. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and I would go out of my way if I saw him and something to watch it. I watched The Maid Show. I watched yeah. all the stuff that he did because he's just one of those guys that was fun to watch. Yeah, he was. He totally was. And he was fantastic in One Crazy Summer. He was He was great. Uh, now the opposite of that. Jeremy Piven <laughs> as Ty. Piven made his acting debut in Lucas with Corey Haim, which was actually released earlier in 1986, right before One Crazy Summer. Uh, the first night of shooting One Crazy Summer, he got drunk and dove into the shallow end of the hotel swimming pool, cutting open his head. Now, when I read this the first time, I thought it said he drove <laughs> into the thing and was like, why wasn't he fired for driving a car into the hallway? But it was, uh, he uh, dove. Apparently, if you pay attention to his first scenes, he actually, they put a bunch of like plaster and stuff on him because the cut was really bad on his God. forehead. Yeah, he's yeah. such a deeb. <laughs> I'm sorry. I am sorry. I just, there's something about that guy that has yeah. always just rubbed me the wrong way. And look. I enjoy him. I enjoy I, his performance. I love him in... PCU is, is, for me, the best thing he's done. Gross Point Blank. He is yes. so good in Gross Point yes. Blank. I, I got to give him props for that. Sure. And he's an enjoyable guy, and he's talented and whatever. But he seems he seems like the opposite of uh, Mark Metcalf. Yeah. Where he just... He, and then they've heard he plays stories. the douchebag, and he just kind of is. <laughs> I think... He's been around I mean, long enough not. that he... I hope not. I mean, maybe yeah. he's just an amazing actor. Piven is a big theater actor. He still yep. does a ton of theater. Really talented guy. Uh, Billy Bird was cast as Grandma Calamari. <laughs> Billy Bird's fantastic. She started her career in 1950. She's most well-known for her appearances on the sitcoms It Takes Two and Benson before appearing in 90 episodes of Dear John with Judd Hirsch starting in 1988. So good. So, so good. There She's is so funny. No one who... She's... No one does the sweet, sweet grandmother with the edge yeah. like she does because she comes across as just the sweetest woman with her voice and everything. Yeah. This movie, she is <laughs> one of the best parts. I mean, it's hard to say. They're all the best parts, but yeah. I couldn't imagine being able to sit there while she did her whole bit because she's just so the, funny. The scene where she gives them the check <laughs> at the end <laughs> apparently took like three to four times as long to shoot because the actors could not keep a straight face during the whole thing. How could you? And I want to say that I think Savage, Savage Steve Holland kind of milked it because he definitely held on them for a long time when they were looking at the check. Oh, that was <laughs> great. I got it. Oh, it was God, like 14 dude. bucks. It was a pretty good price. Yeah. For, for, for uh, like six people. Yeah. Even. Hell yeah. 
Uh, other notable but brief appearances come from Rich Little as the radio contest DJ. Oh, uh, I, lo- I mean, you could probably tell because of all the dumb voices yeah. that I do. I loved Rich Little as a kid. I was fascinated by impressionists. Yeah. My first impression that I ever did was uh, I did Tom Jones, the singer. Oh, nice. And my impression was I would sing What's Up Pussycat, and then I would have this uh, Pearl Snap shirt on, and at the end I would rip my shirt open. And I thought, <laughs> I thought that's what he did. And my, <laughs> my mom would trot me out in front of the – Oh, God. To do my impersonation. Uh, but so – he was one of the reasons why I started doing vo- – he and Mel nice. Blanc and, yeah, yeah. you know, that's why I wanted to do voices because it's just – he was incredible. Yeah. People he don't was realize just – Crazy talented. So good at, at mimicking voices. Yeah. I mean, to the point where he did it – he was invited to the White House to do Reagan for Reagan. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, his list of impressions, if you go to his Wikipedia page, his list of impressions is like 300 people long. And it's they like would, it's crazy. They would bring him in yeah. to finish roles for people – like there was a couple of times I think, was it David Niven that died and he came in and, oh, and possibly and did David Niven for a I think it was a um, one of the Pink Panther movies oh I think he oh had to yeah come in okay and yeah, do the yeah. Voice. but he had to come in and and and, and do and voiceover work stuff. wow yeah, wow yeah. that's crazy. Uh, Bruce Wagner is Uncle Frank, who's trying to win the radio contest. So good. So good. What are you doing? What are you doing in here? He actually co-wrote A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. Nice. Yeah, with your favorite music video. Yeah. He was, uh, he was, a, he was a writer. Uh, he wrote the book that eventually was made into Maps to the Stars, uh, which was directed by David Cronenberg and starring John Cusack. Oh, Cusack was in that? Uh-huh. Oh. Uh, yeah, it's... He... It still does acting sometimes, but, like, he is mostly a writer. Like, he seems like a very interesting, odd character. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's hilarious. He was hes one of the best parts. I mean, again, oh, yeah. there's no, like I say, one of the, everything is one of the best <laughs> it's parts. It's one of the best parts. It's that one of those movies where it's just best parts. Everything. Everything is best parts. I can't think of anything in this movie that I didn't like or I didn't think worked. This is a... To me, a perfect movie. It's definitely yeah. a perfect movie. For me, there's nothing yeah. I would change. And for something made almost 40 years ago yeah to be that is it's it's just a testament to how amazingly funny and just if you want to feel pure joy watch this movie oh it's so good uh rich hall is wilbur the gas station attendant uh he wrote and performed for a series of sketch comedy shows such as friday's not necessarily the news popularizing the sniglet neologism Mm -hmm. and saturday night live he was great he was really funny the sniglets Phenomena. Do you remember the Sniglets? No, no. Sniglets completely took over the world for a while. It was these made-up words to describe things that don't really have a description, like aquadextrous, possessing the ability to turn the bathtub faucet on with your toes. <laughs> you know? Or cats. Okay, okay. Cast caspers, dead actors who appear on television, chwads, discarded gum found beneath tables and countertops. So, you know, it was these okay, great so little just words. these weird little words that, okay. Larry, afraid toothbrush. You know, it's just stupid stuff like that. Like, <laughs> it didn't make any sense. But so it, weird. Yeah. And it, it, there were books. Wow, and, really? Yeah, wow. It was a big, big, I mean, I think there's a whole Wikipedia page about I'm it. I'm surprised I've never are. heard yeah. of this. Yeah, like, it was I, huge. I'm a huge word nerd. So, like, that's Oh, you'd love it. Me. You should yeah. check it out. All right, I'll, I'll look it up. Uh, Taylor Negron, of course, came in and played the other gas station attendant. Uh, they get their tie caught in the, the window. That dog is um, the ugliest dog I've ever seen. Let me put it out of its misery. 
Uh, but he was in the movie because Taylor Negron was in everything. As it should be. Taylor Negron is a national treasure that yeah. was never appreciated for the worth that it was. So the animation in the film was directed by Bill Kopp, who previously worked with Savage Steve Holland on Better Off Dead and would later work with him on Eek the Cat. Again, this is an evolution. The, the animation stuff in Better Off Dead was funny and great. Yeah. But this was just so... So well integrated into the movie. Yeah. Such a great way to kind of move from scene to scene. Yeah, yeah. And it, it was used as a much better device. Yeah, than, it, was, it was much more fleshed yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. Better, and much yeah. more of an integral part of the right, movie. Right, right. Uh, two animators who worked on the film, David Silverman and Wes Archer, would later be directors on The Simpsons and would animate Simpsons shorts on The Tracy Ullman Show with Bill Cobb. Yeah, it all comes down to The Simpsons, baby. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, The Simpsons was heavily influenced by Savage Steve Holland. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the lobsters that were dumped in the pool when they decide to get back at Old Man, or not Old Man, but at Beckerstead, uh, they threw the lobsters in the pool. They were all real. Uh, <laughs> That's crazy. That was 500 lobsters they threw into that pool. That was a really funny scene, too, when he's, like, in the pool. And, and, he, swimming. and he comes out, and it's so obviously fake Yeah, lobsters. and there's one hanging off of her butt. Yeah. And it's just he they're pulls her the in. Yeah, it's funny. Ow! Uh, there was supposed to be a giant lobster that eats Mark Metcalf after he gets out of the ocean, having been attacked by the rabid dolphin. But Savage, Savage Steve Holland thought that it was just too cheesy. Well, <laughs> like he couldn't yeah. do it. Well, I think the, the the dolphin made the point. I think that yeah. was a really funny shot from inside of the dolphin's mouth. Is <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's the funny thing. Foam 2, they're shooting Foam 2. Yep. A spin, uh, spin-off, a uh, takeoff of Jaws. But the rabid dolphin, it's a dolphin with rabies. Uh, so I, I did do the research because I was curious. Nice. Can a dolphin get rabies? Can a dolphin get rabies? The answer is nobody knows. <laughs> well, then we're going to figure it out. I'm going to take a rabid something to SeaWorld and throw it in the dolphin <laughs> container. Scientifically, because they are mammals, they theoretically can get uh, rabies, but they're, the chance of them being able to get... Because, you know, rabies is a... It's a virus. Right. It's not it's just a virus. Yeah. Uh, there's been one record of a seal getting rabies uh, that was in Norway well, in 1980. Sense. They go on land. Because um, they're on land. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's unknown. But it was funny and, you know, whatever. Well... I, you know the 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 foam movies require a certain amount of suspension of disbelief. <laughs> I love that it was the sequel that they were making and not the first yeah. one. That is just a nice yeah, touch. Exactly, it's such a great exactly. touch because it's like it's it's it, you knew it was going to be bad. It was going to be worse than the, the original. Oh yeah, one. and that was... the the people already had had them there, so they're yeah. kind of like whatever. This stupid thing is <laughs> always going through, floating around, and swimming around. Somehow the daughter got a hold of the controls, and she ends up popping out of the. The, yeah, you know, she was the one that she ate him. Ate, ate the because he kicked the He's dog. He kicked the dog. He kicked Pasco. Such a mean man. Mean, mean man. Uh, two of the funny fuzzy bunnies, the animated bunnies, were modeled after Siskel and Ebert. Nice um, fuzzy bunnies are hilarious. By the way, they're so funny. Uh, they actually Siskel and Ebert panned Better Off Dead, so Savage Steve Holland decided to put them into the movie and blow them up. Nice. Which they needed to come up and. They definitely did. They 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 were. They were sitting on thrones they didn't earn. I don't think they reviewed this movie, so I don't know what their reaction was to this. So. Well, they probably didn't even know. I, well, yeah, yeah. Uh, the animal hospital scene was shot because it was raining outside. They literally were like, well, we can't shoot the outdoor stuff. So they ran in and set dressed it in 10 minutes. And Savage Steve Holland needed some kind of joke because it was just the actors talking about 
you know, Bosco. sadness. He's like, well, we got to do something. So he randomly asked the production for a dog pushing a cat. And within an hour, they had a dog pushing a cat on set. From where? I don't this know. This is Nantucket. I don't know, but they did it. One of the 15,000 people that live on Nantucket had I... trained a dog to push a baby carriage with the I, I love yeah. America. But the best part is if you hear uh, Curtis Armstrong and uh, Bobcat Goldthwait talking about it, he was like, he didn't. He decided not to end the scene with the cat, the dog pushing the cat. They started with it, and it's one take of the cat, and then they, they pan over to the actors, and these poor guys had to sit there for like 30 seconds <laughs> while this dog pushed the cat and not laugh because it was a sad scene. I Man, I wish I was in this movie. It would oh, have been so God. much fun to make so this much movie. fun to work on. Uh, Savage Steve Holland actually showed the movie to Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys. He wanted them to write a theme for the movie. Brian Wilson responded after seeing the movie, There's no palm trees in this. And then he walked out of the screening. <laughs> Man, this is why I hate the Beach Boys. I included this just for you, Jim. There's no palm trees. Uh, Mike Love and some of the other Beach Boys' reaction was, It's too foggy. Yeah, it's like they, they were like, it's a beach movie, but there's no palm trees, and it's, it's like, foggy? Like, they couldn't wrap their head around it. It's not foggy, idiots. It's all the pot smoke <laughs> in the room. Uh, the movie went through a number of name changes. It started with My Summer Vacation, then My, My Nantucket Summer, and then Greetings from Nantucket. Before. Nothing nothing rolls off the tongue like My Nantucket Summer. Savage um, uh, Steve Holland actually was not a fan of the final title, One Crazy Summer, but it's since grown on him. He actually wanted to do a sequel called One Epic Fall with Bobcat, Joel, and Curtis playing different characters. Nice. Uh, Savage Steve wanted to take another crack at shooting in Nantucket, and the autumn is gorgeous there. But Warner Brothers owns the rights to One Crazy Summer, and they will never, ever do a sequel, according to Savage Steve Holland. Why? He just said, I, apparently he's inquired, and they, they decided no. What? Well, the movie only made $13 million off a $9 million budget, so I think they decided that his magic was gone. Well, he's not asking them to bankroll it. He's just asking for the rights to make it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Well, okay, guys. Hi. <laughs> I just want to... So, Bob, Bob, what's, uh, what's the deal? Well, the movie didn't make a lot of money, so we don't like him. <laughs> and um, that's basically it. If your movie doesn't make a lot of money, we don't like you, and we don't want to do anything to make your life any better than it is. I guess that's an easy way to live your life, I guess. That's easy for me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it, which is, it's sad. Savage Steve Holland directed one more feature during this time, How I Got Into College, but then he focused on animation. Did you see that? I have not seen How I Got, well, that's not true. I want to say I saw it a long time ago. I barely remember it. Uh, he did a lot of animation for a while, Savage Steve Holland did, and then he wrote and directed for Nickelodeon. He wrote six episodes of Keenan and Kel. Nice. Uh, he directed three episodes of Even Stevens. He directed nine episodes of Lizzie McGuire. Uh, he directed 11 episodes and the one-hour ser- series finale of Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide, uh, among many others. He's got a long history of working with Nickelodeon. I don't know these. You know, what's weird, too, is that the other guy from uh, one from Better Off Dead, he did a lot of Nickelodeon stuff, too. I wonder if they oh, yeah. crossed yeah. paths. Is a, a... Possibly. Very possibly. Uh, he's now working on Malibu Rescue for Netflix, which started as a movie, then became a series, and now has a second movie, which was released in 2020. Did you see this? I did not. Uh, and I need to watch them because he directed all of it. Oh, wow. Yeah, definitely. So i definitely going to have to check out Malibu Rescue. Huge fan of Savage Steve Holland. Yeah. The, I... <laughs> watching this movie uh, the other night, 
I really think that this might be my go-to movie just to feel good. Yeah. I yeah. I was in honestly I'm going to I'm going to be honest with y'all. Uh I was in a really bad mood. Yeah. A couple of you know the couple of days uh, cuz I'm a moody little 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 cur, but uh I was just in a bad mood. And uh sue me, everyone. Get off my back. Nope. Nobody's saying anything. Uh, Jim. <laughs> go fight you. No. Um No, but I was in a bad mood and it instantly faded away yeah. as soon as the credits started on this movie. It I know this movie so well that it just it is like putting on the most comfortable sweater yeah. or the greatest, softest blanket and having the most chocolatey uh <laughs> cup of hot chocolate. Yeah. Whatever you want to say, this movie is pure comfort for me. And I la I did not check my phone once yeah. when this movie was on. I laughed out loud constantly. And it's just look, you may not like it. That's fine. You have no taste. But this is one of those movies that I don't think is just a, oh, saw it at the time. Like a hot pursuit. No, agreed. You know? agreed. A hot pursuit is not a great movie, but it served its pers- It served a purpose sure. for me, which makes it near and dear to my heart. Sure. But I know deep down that it's not a great movie. Right, right. But this movie is a great movie. It's fantastic. Yeah. And, you know, the fact that you love it. I think even did Phoebe like Phoebe it? Phoebe liked it, yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's that Phoebe's kind of our our, our bellwether because <laughs> you know, she's got really good taste, but she's also very discerning. Yeah. And she's not just gonna like something for liking it. Right. So if 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 you got Phoebe's seal of approval on <laughs> that's this, true. then you should definitely watch it. Anyway, look, I could go on for hours about this yeah. movie if you let me. It's if you haven't seen it. Do yourself a favor and see it. It's funny watching it again because I get you know it's been a while and and I and I said well it's basically better off dead with the regatta you know you take the yeah. regatta and you replace that with the it's not true it's not true at all it's a completely different movie there's a well, theme it, beating the rich guys yeah. that's fine it's a, it's a movie it has to have a plot I but mean, it wasn't yeah. just Cusack it no. was the whole group of misfits yeah. coming together and beating the norms yeah and one of the things that I love so much. There, there's, here's a spoiler. Sorry, uh, but when they pop off the, oh, yeah. they blow the hatch and they've got the Teddy's, Ferrari Teddy's Teddy engine. Car, yeah, Teddy's reaction to that is brilliant because in any other film, he would have been like, "That's my car!" and it's screaming and yeah, yelling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he just looks at it and just goes, "They're like, what is that?" And he just looks at it and says, "That's my car." Because he, yeah. he knows he was defeated. Yes. That was it. They yes. beat him. Yes. And that is brilliant right there. Yeah. Humble him because he does try to steal the, sure. the sure. trophy at the end. And then William Hickey comes up and says, friendship is the best thing you could ever have. <laughs> but, uh, but it's those little moments that make yeah. this a masterpiece of comedy. It's such a brilliant movie, and and it's great. And it, I was able to find uh, down at Amoeba Records uh, down here in Hollywood. I was able to find an out-of-print First edition DVD, sealed, still sealed. Nice. Uh, so they're out there. But definitely watch it. You're going to love it. You're going to love everybody in it. And it's going to make you want to watch everything that Steve Savage Steve Holland has done. Yeah. And it's going to just, it's going to warm the cockles of your heart. <laughs> All right. We'll be back next week uh, with uh, a stepdad show. All right. We'll uh, see you next week. Bada boob. Demi. Co- co-wrote three songs with Demi... God damn. All right. Cat Scrapers. Dead actors who appear on television. 
<laughs> what? Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> what? Ca- cast. Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. Cast Caspers. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. She's the sheriff. Already in progress. <laughs> <laughs> 